0: Hey there, and welcome to the Failure Guy Podcast. This is Ben Currier, self-proclaimed world's number one failure. Join me as we take a look into the darker side of success. In this podcast, we'll learn about the hardest moments my guests faced and the failures they endured on their path towards making it. I hope you enjoy. Hey there, and welcome to episode five of Failure Guy Podcast. Today I've got with me uh, Phil Paluccia all the way from the UK. Hey there, Phil. How's it going?
1: Yeah, really good. Thank you, buddy. Thanks so much for having
0: me. Thank you for joining. So we chatted a little bit just before we were getting on the podcast, but... I wanted to know, is there anything specifically you want to like do a shameless brag about? Is there something specifically that you've done well or a business that you've built up? So that when we talk some about some of the lower points and some of the failures that maybe people have an idea of the stakes and you know, what was involved? Yeah, nice, because we get to do it in reverse order. Um, <laughs> yeah.
1: So I kind of had like a bit of a sandwich, to be honest, like a real roller coaster. Like I, I, I had some business success. And we'll, we'll talk about that later, I'm sure. And then it almost fell off a cliff. And and for lots of reasons, which I'll, I'll go into in a minute, but the rebuilding process has been really interesting, because um, what the lessons of, of that time taught me was that I needed to not chase the money, I needed to focus on doing something that I was passionate about, and that I really cared about. And, and you know, working with businesses that I cared about and doing things that I, I that genuinely made me tick and got me out of bed. And that's, that's the position that we find ourselves in at the moment which I'm I'm really pleased with like cuz it's a uh, you know over 10 years podcasting now uh, 10,000 hours of podcasting ranked as one of the top 100 podcasters you know I'm a podcast mentor we get to work with some incredible people um you know we had podcasts which led to radio shows which then led to TV series you know keynote speaking events all over the world at some of the biggest events I mean like this stuff is crazy like I look back on it and it's like how did that happen? And and I'm really proud of all of those things. But, I, you know, I realized that I kind of ignored the lessons that it was teaching me. And I just kept plowing on and looking at the money and trying to make more money and trying to make more money. And the 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 period that we're in now has led to me working with businesses that like, I really care about. Like, I love the clients that we work with. And we are partnered with some truly amazing, you know, coaches and mentors and you know, I'm blessed to, to have, I mean, we, our show and our network and, and businesses are called billionaires in boxes. And we, we genuinely have a number of billionaires across our network. Now that, you know, if you, if you associate with billionaires and extremely successful people, like the art of what is possible just raises several notches, you know, it's like you, you say to somebody, you know, I, I want to achieve this. Like if you say that to a certain circle of friends, you often get told, "No, you know, you can't do that." Why you? And then you start getting imposter syndrome and all that kind of stuff. You mentioned those same plans to billionaires and really successful people and they're like, "Well, yeah, why not? That's really easy to do."
0: Yeah, it's it's funny because it's kind of like the scale of thinking. And and yeah. certainly when you were the when you were the billionaire, they're thinking on a level that most people never even get to you know from a mental standpoint let alone actually getting there so you know it's interesting to see what they think
1: the financial aspect is really interesting isn't it because if you're if you're working with somebody or you're surrounded by people who are earning a salary of let's say i don't know anything less than a hundred thousand dollars a year okay even so the guy earning a hundred thousand dollars a year a million dollars is a big number but to a billionaire a million dollars is nothing like they're doing 50 million dollar deals like because they got a passion in the project. They're not even sure they're going to make their money back. They're like, yeah, you know, we took a punt. I like the guy, let's try it. And, and they're playing with money at like such a, a, a larger level. And I've always had this feeling that if you look down on a target, it's easier to achieve than when you look up to it. So if you're, if you're looking up going, wow, that that 5 million goal, that 10 million goal is really high it's it's always going to feel a struggle. Whereas if you look down on it and say we could make 50. So this year, I just want to do 10. Like, that's a drop in the ocean compared to what you could be doing. So, yeah. you know, that's, it's, it's some it's some valuable lessons that I've learned. And, and it's things that I now sort of coach in my coaching practice. And I work with a lot of people and businesses helping them to achieve influencer and authority status. And as I said, I, I really love the businesses that we're working with. It's like, giving a spotlight to people that really should be heard from but aren't heard of enough and, and really helping them to kind of break out to the top of their industries. But more importantly than any of that, it's it's helping them build their business from their essence because that's the main lesson that I learned was if you build something, it can be financially successful. But if it's not been built from your essence, you know your core, that thing that makes you tick, that thing that you're really passionate about you're going to wake up one day and you just won't care anymore.
0: Yeah. So you said you didn't listen to some of the advice of to follow things that actually make you happy. You kind of chase the money. Was there, what, what specifically did you do? Like what businesses did you, did you pursue to make that money that you ended up not really enjoying the uh, process of?
1: Yeah. So I owned a couple of service-based businesses. So I owned an ad agency and I, uh, which was really successful, specialized in emerging markets and technologies. So um, we ended up doing a lot of work within virtual reality and augmented reality, and it was really cool, but like, I don't know. I didn't care. <laughs> like, it wasn't, it wasn't... I was in the field because I knew it would make money, not because it was something I cared about. that makes sense?
0: Yeah, so it was primarily advertising, or whether it was VR or whatever you were promoting, it was mostly in advertising?
1: So primarily advertising and ad consultancy, so kind of advising other people how they should advertise their brands. But they were brands that, like stuff that just didn't interest me like other people would have had these experiences and it would have meant the world to them like working with formula one brands like but i don't care about racing like i have no Mm -hmm. interest in that whatsoever so to somebody else that would have been their dream job for me it was just another client it was just somebody that i was working with and then i owned a talent and headhunting business now i did really care about that when i first started it but i realized over the years that I was just doing it because it made money. I had a team of people doing it and we were just working with people because it made money. Like I didn't, I didn't get the same buzz from it anymore. I didn't get the same level of like, I used to get really excited about helping introduce amazing people to awesome companies and vice versa, and then building together. Like I always used to take a real sense of pride in that. And then I don't even know when it happened, but at some point over the years, I stopped feeling that the excitement was gone. and like, it was just an invoice. Like, you could have you could have paid me to do a hundred other things that would have meant just as much to me. Like, it just it didn't bother me anymore. And I knew that. And it was one of those uncomfortable truths that I'd realized but kind of did my best to ignore. <laughs> um, because it was like, well, it's making money and I could logically make a load of justifications as to why we should keep doing it and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, the advice from my mentors and things had always been, Don't follow the money, do something you're passionate about, you know, at one point you're gonna hit a financial goal and you know, you y you're gonna realise that's not what makes you happy and it's like I was speaking to a good friend of mine, he's a billionaire, and he said when you achieve a certain level of financial success, like you no longer make any decisions based on money. Okay. So and that's where a lot of people go wrong when they pitch to these kind of guys to get funding, is they'll go to them and they'll say, Hey listen, you can double your money in three years and all this kind of stuff and they're like we don't care about that like we've already made money and we will make money again like what we care about is does this project align with the goals that we're you know and and the things that are passionate in our lives you know the things that we really care about and that resonate with us the social causes we're interested in you know is this going to help people is this going to do good in the world because if the answers to those are yes then I'm going to give you money whether it's a you know whether you're telling me I'm going to double my money in 2 years or not but People who aren't in that financial status think it's all about the money. So they talk in the language of money. But to the people who have money, that's such a boring conversation because they don't even think about money anymore.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. I think I actually tried to do that myself as a way to try to make better decisions to – not think of the money aspect, make decisions because of other reasons, but since I am not wealthy, it didn't work out that well because I would just make maybe the right decision if I had enough money, but certainly Mm -hmm. not the best use of my limited funds. But I think the the mindset still makes sense. I mean, you you need to make sure the money works out obviously, but doing something and having a reason that's not monetarily motivated can give you a lot more incentive to complete it and also just get you more jazzed up about the the possibilities of what you're
1: doing it's like you need a reason to get out of bed that's not financial because if you're in t- your only motive to get out of bed is to make money like what happens when you make that money like what's your motivation to get out of bed now um and it's it's all the people who make the mistakes that i made as well with the whole you know i will be healthier and i'll spend more time with my family and i'll meditate more and i'll do yoga when i have the money but it's like you have to become the person to achieve the goal otherwise like having money just enhances who you are. So if you're a stressed out workaholic, you'll just be a stressed out workaholic with money in the bank.
0: Yeah. And and I think you've probably dealt with some uh, high quality billionaires, so to speak. I've had a, a previous boss and he was a billionaire. Mm. And he seemed to be the opposite kind where at least he would be more likely to not pay vendors on time and do all sorts mm. of other things to like squeeze every little nickel despite having so much money so i don't know if that's like what you're saying he was that kind of person that's what got him there and then he kept being that you know yeah
1: well he that's how he got there so he would have carried like it wasn't like he was paying vendors on time and then became a billionaire and was like no screw it i'm not gonna pay anybody like he got to the top by using that that method so he wasn't going to change like you could double his wealth overnight and he'd still not pay vendors on time because if if that's who he is then that's who he is I, dare I say like I don't obviously know this guy but dare yeah. I say like he's probably miserable
0: like absolutely for uh, sure
1: and that's you know that's what well, does us you should pity him like I know you look up to him as, in terms of wealth wise and you look at that and go wow like imagine having that much money but you know I, I use the analogy of you know if you're if you make uh, let's say a billion dollars in a year okay but you're a workaholic you work six days a week if not seven you're going for divorce because your wife doesn't love you anymore, and you hardly ever see your kids, right? And then you compare that to somebody who's made a hundred thousand dollars this year, but they only work three days a week, and they spend the rest of the time with their kids and their family, and they're in a loving marriage. Which one's successful?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And also, which one just feels not only better about themselves, but is a nicer person to be around? Exactly. I bet it's the guy with the hundred thousand, because I bet it is. You know. Money, to your point, money can't really buy happiness. It can unlock different abilities for what you can do. But if you're still unhappy on the inside, it's not going to really change that much with more money.
1: No, you're absolutely right. And, you know, you, you're you a product of, of how you act and who you, and who you behave with, how you behave around people as well. So, you know, that's why when you're down in the dumps it's all about trying to raise your vibration and raise your frequency because people who are vibrating on that high level of positivity and, and, and goodness they don't really want to hang around with somebody that's negative and down in the dumps because it, it brings them down so all you're going to attract are other people like you who are in that negative state so now you're just surrounded by more negative people which is going to make things worse not better Whereas if you raise your game and by raise your game, I mean, raise your state, you know, reconnect with the, your essence. Like we deal with coaching clients all the time who come to us and say, "You know, Phil, we've reached a ceiling in our business. Like we've really reached the limit and we don't know what to do about it. And then they'll give me a long winded reason as to all the like minor details in their business that are going on and what's happening in the market. And invariably it always comes back to, they don't love what they do anymore. <laughs> They've fallen out of love with their business. And they need to reconnect with the essence of of what it was that made them tick and what it is they love doing. That might be helping the clients that they work with or why is it you fell in love with this industry or what is it about your particular company that you love? And it's about helping them reconnect with that because if love is like the most powerful emotion in the world. So if you can get them to fall back in love with what they do that automatically raises their frequency and their vibration. And then when you start to global network on top of that, which is what I, I spend a lot of time coaching my clients how to do, the doors will open for you because you're resonating with people at that level. And you know, business is a team sport. And if you group with other people in your team who are vibrating at that high level, good things are always going to happen.
0: Absolutely. So is that what happened with you? You, you were in the headhunting business and you realized it wasn't really filling that that drive for for who you are? Did you, you know, apply what you've learned? Is is that how you learned that lesson?
1: Yeah, so definitely. So everything I coach and everything I teach is because I went through it. And then what was amazing is when you go through something like that, and you start to share your experiences, you realize that you're not alone, like you may have felt alone during that process. But you realize that you're not alone. And I actually had like a number of really incredible mentors that that became really close to me and came into my life at that time because I was, I was openly talking about, you know, I achieved this and then I was miserable. Like, how can that be? Like, I thought I was going to be happy when I got to that stage. And then other people started to come to me and be like, oh, brother, I'm so with you. (laughs) You know, like, I remember when I did that and I thought like, if I make that $5 million, I'm going to be really happy. And then I wasn't, I was miserable. And it was, this is how I got out of it. This is what I did. And I was blessed that I had those people in my life to kind of share those stories and secrets with me in terms of the, you know, it's about falling back in love with what you do. It's about making more decisions with your heart and less with your head, you know, don't do the logical thing, make a decision with your heart and then let the head do the logical stuff to work out the steps, but it's don't let the head lead. Um, And it was a lot of retraining how I behaved to try and achieve that. And I, whilst this is happening, I also had lots of people telling me I was nuts. Like, why would you leave? Like, you're you're at the top of your game in this industry. You know, you're you're speaking at all these big events. Like, oh, I wish I could speak at those events, and you're winning those federations and becoming their exclusive partner. I wish I could do that. And I'm like, have it. There you go. It's like it's it's really sucks. Like, I don't like this.
0: Yeah, it sounds almost like you know you're kind of running this marathon race and the finish line for you is whatever that you know goal of getting some sort of financial stability and then you get to the end of the race and you cross the finish line and you just want to enjoy the fact that you won but everyone's like no keep running you got to keep going
1: yeah it was I, I t- i'll tell you what it was it was like i got to a stage where i just kind of went so what like so what like this doesn't mean anything like it's, it's so hollow and that that was a really sort of depressing place to be if i'm honest in fact i probably did fall into a bit of a depression with it because i didn't understand like i hadn't come from money so i'd always thought if i had if i achieve this goal everything there will just be fine it will my life will magically become happy and i won't have to worry about this stuff anymore and it didn't work so then i was like well maybe i need to double it maybe i need to make two or three like i don't know um maybe that number's five, maybe that number's 10. And then I, I, I came to the realization that it, it wasn't the number, it was what I was doing. Like what I was, I wasn't getting the thrill out of what I was doing anymore. I didn't care about it. And and that's a sad reality. Like I said to you, um, I call it the virtual green room when we were talking before we came on air. And mm-hmm. I was saying, you know, it was a really weird feeling to hate my own businesses. Like I begrudge doing my own work. You know? Yeah. I was like this I don't want to do this and it's taking up so much of my time and I'm unhappy and you know, I, I don't even mind admitting and I don't think I've ever admitted this on a podcast before. Like I I started to smoke cannabis for um from sort of meditation, it's sort of aid meditation. But at one point it became like a crutch in my life. Like I was smoking all day, every day. Like I would smoke a joint before I had my breakfast. And and it wasn't because, like, I was just this crazy pothead that just wanted to be stoned all the time. It's like I hated what I was doing, and the only way that I could possibly stomach it was to be high.
0: Yeah, it's like a little mini escape.
1: Yeah, and it was like I had to play a character. I had to because I couldn't mope around my business because then I wouldn't be successful. It's a high-pressure environment. So to, to be able to survive and cope in that environment, I had to play a character. And to be able to play that character, I smoked.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I've definitely done the same thing. I'm in Colorado, which is like the weed capital of yeah. at least the United States. So it's a little bit more accepted here. And I, yep. I know what you mean about when you're not happy and you're just trying to maybe quiet some of the internal noises of t- mm. telling yourself this isn't great. You know, you can kind of power through it if you kind of, uh, you know, blunt that a little bit with either drugs or alcohol or whatever it is. Yeah. But I've definitely done the same thing. I think I wonder if, you know, something you said earlier about how, when you get the money, you know not a lot of those problems go away, and I think maybe a lot of us will. I don't know if it's conflating the two or or confusing oh,
1: definitely they do the money
0: problem with everything else and going oh, when I have the money, then it'll fix these other things. But then it's once you have true. the money, you realize now the only thing in the way is the issue itself, and you can't blame the money anymore. Yeah. So you've got to actually face it. But I, I'm sure a lot of people just don't face those things because they think. Once they get the money, it'll it'll solve it. And if they never get the money, they don't have to ever confront that issue. You it's know? because
1: people conflate a lot of issues, though. Like people conflate uh, being an influencer with being famous, for example, and they confuse the two. And they confuse wealth with success. And and it's because of the way we've been raised. Now, I don't want to go on a rant about the education systems, but you know, we're we're taught to you know sit down, solve a problem, have a plan. Like I always say the same thing, which is it's good to have a destination. But that destination has to be a feeling, right? You have to want to achieve a certain feeling. Mm -hmm. And it's what that destination feels like that's important. Whereas having a plan is actually the worst thing you can do because you're trying to logically design this plan or this goal and say, right, I want to hit a million dollars or I want to you know release a book that does this this or this or whatever it is right you can you can have this thing but it's it's like putting the blinkers on and you miss all the opportunities that are opening up to you that are probably the doors you were supposed to be taking like life is putting these people and these opportunities in your life and because you can't see how that fits directly in with the goal that you've logically made up you dismiss it and then you wonder why other people are getting ahead in life and you're not. It's like, because they're seeing their opportunities. Meanwhile, you're ignoring all of them because you're trying to head for this goal that the universe is trying to do you a favor because even if you achieve that goal, you'd still be miserable because you, as you just said, you haven't dealt with the issues. You're not building from your essence. You're not, you haven't addressed the real problem. And you just think that if you hit this financial goal or, or whatever it is, or you hit this certain job title or you know as soon as i get the 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 bmw 3 series i'm gonna be fine as soon as i get my bugatti i'm gonna be fine as soon as i get my ferrari i'm gonna be fine my range rover whatever well you can still be miserable on a range rover you know
0: yeah and if you and if you're shooting for a, a feeling so to speak like you were saying it's it's a lot easier to not bring on a lot of things that are going to make your life harder when you yes. get to that money. Cause I mean, if you, if you only think about the money, you'll probably bring on people and things into your life that'll actually make you make it harder to address those issues. Of once course. you get, once you get the money.
1: And if you shoot for a feeling, you have a much easier barometer of knowing whether you're heading in the right direction because you go, am I feeling more or less of this feeling that I'm wanting to be feeling? Cause the answer is more, keep going in that direction. If the answer is less change course. Whereas, money it's like it's not that easy because money goes up and down like i've had roller coaster businesses like all my life up until the last couple of years um you know where it's like Woo-hoo, we're rich oh my god where are we gonna win money from and it's like up and down up and down and i used to spend a lot of money i used to smoke a lot of weed not necessarily weeds a weed problem but like mm-hmm. i i used to smoke a lot of weed i used to spend a lot of money and one of the things that i had to realize was i was using it to escape and what i had to do instead was build a life that i didn't want to escape from
0: yeah that's a great way uh, of putting it for sure i think um it's tough when you're when you're going only for money you know your competition is everyone in the world you know mm-hmm. anyone who's trying to make money is your competition when you're going for something specific like changing the way people feel or changing how much of an impact you make you you reduce that competition by quite a lot you know
1: but you know what there's nothing wrong with money like money is but money is the byproduct it can't be the goal like that's the thing like we're making more money now than we were making before and i work less hours and have more fun with it so there's nothing wrong with money like i love money um money provides incredible opportunities but if money is your goal you're always going to be miserable um money needs to be the byproduct and you know that's the thing it's like you just you used a really important word there. you said competition like if if money is your goal, then you've got so much competition. But the thing is, business is all about collaboration and it's about partnerships and it's about linking with people who have a shared vision that you share. But that vision needs to be so much deeper than money. You know, My, my vision, for example, is about empowering a billion entrepreneurs. Now, I don't want to work with a billion entrepreneurs. That would be way too much work. In fact, we probably work with 30, 40 entrepreneurs a year. Um, and businesses and do one-on-one coaching with them and then on my podcasting side of the business that does the service-based stuff and helping people to network and monetize podcasts and become the influencer and all that kind of stuff we probably work with the same again so let's say in total we'll do 60 to 80 clients in a year and that's it and I love that because then we can service those clients really well so how on earth am I going to empower a brilliant entrepreneurs well that's why we podcast that's why we do the radio shows that's why we do the tv shows because it's about like Napoleon Hill meets podcasting, almost, you know, we have interviews with these incredible people, I'm learning from these conversations, um, they excite me, I get energy from them, you know, I have this saying, the day I stop learning is the day I stop earning. And it's about sharing that message far and wide so that we can empower the empowerers, right? So it all comes down to empowerment. But because of that, we then get to link with coaches whose dreams and visions are to empower a million men or empower a million women or uh, female entrepreneurs or whatever it is. Like you, you, you end up finding these people who there's some crossover between what makes you tick and what makes them tick and money rarely comes into the conversation. Like you'll refer people to each other and you'll have an affiliate and I'll get a slice of any clients I introduce to them and vice versa. And that's all great, but money is not the conversation. Money is what happens because of the work that you do. It's not the reason you do the work.
0: Yeah. And if you only focus on money, you'd probably miss out on a lot of those
1: people. Well, they wouldn't work with me. Like they, because they're, they're They're on a different frequency. Their focus is in on empowerment and how they're going to empower those people. So if I come in with just the sole money conversation, that's like nails on a chalkboard. You know, that's like, oh, that's not for me. I don't want to have that conversation. It's not about the money.
0: Yeah. So can we, can we go back to that? period where you're where you're at your lowest point Mm. you're feeling potentially like a failure is there something specifically during that time that you realized or something that you did to get you out of that or to keep you from feeling you know like you're a failure is there anything that you learned through that experience that helped you uh, move forward so it's been a
1: really progressional thing so about a year or so ago i maybe a bit longer now actually i introduced maybe 18 months ago I introduced um, the podcasting service business and my coaching business and the idea was that I love doing that stuff right and that that does make me tick so the logic behind it was I'm going to phase out the other businesses so I did I, I the advertising agency's gone I gave that over to some partners and took a slice of the pie and away I went and I was delighted and everyone thought I was nuts. And I had people coming to me going, Oh, you know, have you not had been tempted to go back yet. And it's like not for a single second. <laughs> like <laughs> I was so done with that, but the one I was holding on to was my talent business. And I'm not ashamed to say it was because it was the one making most of the money. And, you know, I had salaries to pay and I had a family to provide for, and I was keeping it on. So it was like I was having to get through that stuff so that I could go and do the things I really love doing, which was the podcasting stuff and the coaching. Yeah. And then this year happened <laughs> um, and the beginning of the year happened and my talent agency died like do not resuscitate you know (laughs) like this thing just fell off a cliff and so it was doing a lot of work at the time in the real estate industry so as you can imagine real estate and construction hit the hit the iceberg pretty hard um during this COVID time and people stopped recruiting of course they did like nobody knew what like people were being made redundant and being retrenched in their positions so there was was no way that people were going to carry on hiring
0: yeah and certainly Certainly, a lot of people also in the real estate industry not buying things. So the combination of the two, I'm sure, makes it harder. So
1: everything just ground to a halt, and that was game over. Um, And I started to make a a mistake, and I knew it was a mistake. I knew it was a mistake, but i I ignored what I knew. (laughs) You know, Um, so this is about March time, and I started to try and rebuild it, and everything inside me was saying. This is a bad idea. Like, you don't even want to do this anymore. So why are you trying to rebuild it? And the logical reason I kept giving myself was during a financial crisis, during a global pandemic is not the time to be putting down the thing that I know works and trying something new. Yeah. Even though we were making money from the coaching business and, you know, the podcasting services, it it was probably about 30% of our income. So this was a huge portion of our income to put down and i remember thinking no no i'm gonna rebuild i'm gonna rebuild and i started to rebuild and i came across every obstacle you can possibly imagine like i was employing the wrong people clients would say yes and then we think we're out the woods and then they'd say no or they'd lose funding and it was just like if every obstacle you can imagine i hit it and then i caught COVID. wow (laughs) and it was like okay Now I don't even have the energy to fix this thing. Like I've gone from being a workaholic that does 10, 12 hour days, six days a week to, I can't even get out of bed for almost a month. Um, And then I got diagnosed with something called chronic. What the hell did they call it? Chronic post viral fatigue syndrome, um, which they're now nicknamed long COVID, which is essentially, I mean, even now, like uh, months and months after the event, I've still probably got about thirty percent energy compared to what I had before.
0: Wow! When and when did you uh, first find out you had COVID? April time, April May.
1: Oh wow! So pretty early. Yeah, so fair while ago now. I mean, people were having it from about, I'd say about January here, January February time. But yeah, I'd say, and, and, and but the weirdest thing was I didn't require hospitalised treatment. Um, so it, the virus was just a pain in the backside the bit afterwards this this long COVID stuff that was far far worse for me than the virus you know I ended up in hospital twice over the summer with suspected heart attacks and it was entirely due to the symptoms from from long COVID I lost 25 kgs in like three months four months oh wow like this was a weird time for me like I, I'm not ashamed to say like I went to my doctors and I was saying like you need to test me like do I have a cancer or something like Something is wrong with my body, like seriously wrong.
0: And what and what you were calling long COVID is basically the after effects of of having the long,
1: coronavirus? Long COVID is essentially what they're saying is like the virus hangs around in certain places in your body, like in your stomach and in your lungs, and it flares up from time to time. So it's not fully gone. And some people are 8, 9, 10, 12 months in, and they're still suffering with this. Now, I'm fortunate that I am I'm definitely recovering, definitely recovering. Other people have had sort of major flare-ups and ended up in hospital the second time on a ventilator when they weren't the first time and stuff. So oh wow. other people are getting it far worse than I have. They're only just starting to really talk about this. I mean, the British government have only recently acknowledged that it exists and have launched a, a fund to sort of research it more. Australia have been researching it in Sydney for about the past, I want to say six months or so. But nobody really knows anything about it. There's no treatment for it or anything. It's just trial and error. But I found myself in this position that, like, life was determined for me not to make that mistake. You know? Yeah. And, like, you know, if you're not going
0: to listen, I'll just.
1: I'll make you listen. Yeah. I'm going to make you listen. I'm going to force you to do this. It's like the people who, you know, they have really high pressure jobs and, you know, they keep going and there's always this thing of, you know, as soon as I get that promotion, honey, I promise I'll calm down and I'll stop pushing myself so hard. And then they have a heart attack and they nearly die. And it's like, and life says, you're going to stop now. like, you don't get to decide this. If you're not going to listen to what your body's telling you, I'm going to stop you. Um, and you can call that God, you can call that universe, you can call that whatever. You can just call it general wear and tear if you want. But mm-hmm. um, my body decided that that was not going to happen, and I suddenly found myself in a really weird position because there there are different things trigger different people in terms of their their relapses, and I found the two things that triggered me. One of them was working too hard, <laughs> um, and I worked a lot of hours, and now I could realistically work two or three a day at most. And the other one was stress. And I basically ran and fueled myself off stress. So the two things that were constant in my life now had to go. Yeah, I'm sure that was a huge change. It was. It was massive. And then I remember going through this this whole exercise where I went to all of my clients, coaching, podcasting, and even the talent clients, to be completely honest. And I said, if I can only work two to three hours a day, what do you want me to do that is going to be most beneficial for you? Like, where would you get the most value out of me? And I was really surprised by the answer because everybody came back and said, it's your coaching work. It's your strategy work. It's having you there to help us kind of see a different solution to a problem. It's the fact that you always know how to connect us with people. And you've always like, you think outside the box. And that's that's like the most valuable thing to our relationship and our business is, I can have this problem and I thinking I can't see a way out of this, or we've reached the ceiling as a business. And if I call you, you know, 30 minutes later on the phone, I'm full of ideas because you've just gone where well, you could do this and this and this and speak to this person. And it's like, that's the bit that people found the most valuable. And what I loved about that answer was that's the bit that I enjoy the most. So I was like, okay, so the bit that you guys really want me to do is the bit that I enjoy the most. <laughs> like, okay. So what I'd realized, though, was that I was offering those coaching services mainly wrapped up as part of my my service based work. So if you were working with us in a talent capacity or even in a podcasting or influencer capacity from your marketing perspective, you would get my coaching and consulting on the side. But I wasn't really offering coaching solutions on their own. So I designed these two packages. One was ten thousand US and the other was just under twenty thousand US. And you can either do it as like a 10 week program, really intensely, like uh one-to-one session every single week, if you're trying to overcome like a big problem right now, or if you're focused on business growth, then you can even spread that out over, you know, 10 months of the year, 12 months of the year and do like one a month instead. And we sold like three or four in the first couple of weeks, which instantly gave us the, the financial freedom to just breathe and because i was only working such short hours like i was giving everybody the very best of me because i wasn't trying to spread myself over a 12-hour day i could just focus on i only have one coaching and strategy call today so i'm going to prepare for an hour beforehand i'm going to speak to that person for an hour and then i'm going to spend the final hour making sending some emails doing some bits and pieces doing a couple of podcasts and then i'm good and i was like this is fun. Like I'm enjoying this and, and the clients were loving it and still are like, they're getting so much from it, which means the world to me. And it's like, I, I described it as like finding the business cheat codes. Like everybody was loving my work. I was loving my work. It was paying really well. Everyone was really happy. And what I found really weird is as well in the talent world, I was constantly having to sell, constantly having to sort of compete, like why you should use me rather than somebody else. But this coaching stuff, like it's selling itself. Like people are referring me and recommending me. Um, I was on the phone call to somebody a few weeks ago and she she's she's, um, she's overseas. She's um, New Zealand, Australia territory. And she's inviting me onto her radio show. And we're talking away sort of ahead of the, the, the show and, and all this kind of stuff. And she says, you know what? I can't really afford your $20,000 package at the moment, but your $10,000 package is going to be perfect for me. You know, when could we start? And I remember thinking, you've just sold yourself a $10,000 package. Like I wasn't even trying to sell this to you. I was just telling you what I'm doing.
0: That's crazy. Do, do you think that if you hadn't got COVID and you didn't have to ask them what they wanted most from you, that you'd still be doing things you know, the wrong way? Definitely. I
1: would, just no, I, I would love to say that at some point I would have asked that question, but I don't think I would. And that's me being really, really honest. I, I don't think I would. I think... Um, that forced me to do that. In fact, no, I won't say I think I wouldn't have asked that question. Yeah. It wasn't It wasn't even on the agenda for me to ask it. And it was It probably for the very same reason that I knew the answer that I should put it down, but I was ignoring it, was I didn't like the answer because it didn't fit with what I was doing. It was an uncomfortable truth. So I was worried that if I, I would have been worried that if I'd have asked that question, I'd have got an answer that I didn't like.
0: Yeah. I think that's kind of why, you know, failure and setbacks and all those other things are such great teachers is because a lot of times when you're in those scenarios, you you think about things that you wouldn't have thought of otherwise, or you pursue things that you might not have. And that can unlock, you know, new new levels of your business and things like that, because you didn't think of doing it before.
1: You know, another way I describe it is, like, imagine lying on my sickbed and thinking I have to rebuild. Like, am I going to rebuild something that I don't like or am I going to do something else? And that was pretty much the scenario that I found myself in. It was like, if I'm going to have to rebuild something, I might as well rebuild it the way I like it.
0: Well, that's good. I mean, I'm obviously not happy that you got uh, COVID, but I'm glad I am, that.
1: I am, no, g- genuinely, like, I, when, when it first started, it's gonna sound like a really odd thing to say to your audience, and they're going to think this guy's <laughs> nuts, right? But when it first started, I really had that whole. <laughs> why have you forsaken me kind of thing a to god and b to my body like laying in bed feeling sorry for myself why has this happened to me all this I really throwing myself a pity party i had a, I had a really nice pity party for a few days but now like when i reflect back on it like getting covid was the best thing that ever happened for me
0: yeah because it put, probably pushed you to an area you wouldn't have gone to well
1: i'll go i'll go one step further i have two young children At some point, I would have died of a heart attack going the way that I was going.
0: Yeah, just push, push, push.
1: Yeah. So getting COVID has probably just given me X amount of more years with my children. And that's the most valuable thing in the world to me. So for that, I will always be extremely grateful. The business stuff, yes, of course, I'm massively grateful. It's had a big impact. But if I had to put my finger on the thing that I'm most grateful for, it would be the gift of giving me back my life because I'm, you know, I don't need to smoke to block out my life. I don't need to drink. I'm really happy. I'm, you know, My marriage is in a better place than it's been for a long time. You know, My children are happy. I get to spend far more time with them. I will get to spend more years with them as a result of not having such a stressful lifestyle. And even when I fully recover from this, which I will fully recover from this, there are certain things like the stress and the workaholic and all that kind of stuff that will never go back into my life i will not allow that to go back into my life because now i've felt what it's like to live without it
0: yeah and especially if you can you know get close to or even exceed some of the prior financial goals you had yeah with less time it's a win win
1: well there's the irony like that like it's so frustrating dude like i would i wish i could tell you how annoyed i am at myself because <laughs> it's like you look at it and it's like oh i work so hard to achieve this. And actually we're going to surpass that really quickly. And I'm putting in like a third of the work and I'm loving what I'm doing. And actually our customers are happier than they've ever been (laughs) because they're not getting the dregs of Phil when he's done 12 hour days. They're getting prime Phil because all I'm focused on is them for that day. And that's it.
0: It's possible. It's possible that you might not have ever realized that though, without doing the full the full-time version. You might have thought you were always slacking off if you only started that way. Yeah, I think that's true. Maybe doing it from the other perspective will let you understand that. Wow, okay, I can still do this and not have to kill myself over it. Whereas the other way around, maybe you think, well, I'm not really trying as hard as I could.
1: I'll give you a quote that one of my mentors gave to me recently, and he's one of the billionaires actually. And I was talking to him about this very thing. So this is probably about two months ago, and he said something really profound, and I really wish he told me a few years ago. But that being said. I probably wouldn't have listened, you know, because other people have given me advice that I didn't listen to. So I don't know why I would have listened to this one. But he said, you only work hard when life is hard work. When it's going well, it feels effortless. And how do you achieve effortless? You put less effort into trying to plan it. Wow. And it was like, that makes so much sense. Like, you only work hard when life is hard work. It's like well, that's true, <laughs> you know. Um, you you you're looking for the next problem, like you're fighting fires. Like how many people describe their business that way? Like I'm constantly fighting fires. Well, if you go into it with that attitude, that's exactly what's going to happen. <laughs> like you are going to yeah. spend your whole time fighting fires. And but you think about the other side of that saying as well, or, or what he was saying. You know, the effortless part, we've all had that experience too, you know, whether that was in sport or whether that was in art or whether that was in work or whatever. Like we've, we've all had that metaphorical game where every trick shot you tried went in, you know, and you, yeah. you couldn't do it again if you tried. Like every three-pointer you took was all net every single time. And you suck at this game. But for <laughs> some reason, this game, you were in flow and everything was just working well it did feel effortless it felt fun and that's how it's supposed to feel when stuff's going well but like i love the final piece of advice which is and how do you achieve that Where well, you put less effort into trying to plan it so my philosophy with the way that i teach my my clients and the way that i operate in my own life and certainly now more than ever before has been my effort if you want to look at it that way is now in trying to remain in the right frequency and remain connected to the things that I love, including what I love about my business. And I just trust that God, the universe, the almighty great rabbit in the sky, whatever you want to call this (laughs) thing, like that has a far better plan for me than I could ever logically come up with. So if I remain in the right place, the right people, the right conversations will happen at the right time. Like take this, like I don't know what the reason is for us talking today mate. I really don't, okay? But it may not even be anything to do with either of us. That's that's the magical thing about this. Is mm-hmm. that we might be recording this right now because the day that you release it as a result of having us recorded this with me today, this might reach somebody who needed to hear that. This might be somebody might be listening to this nodding away going I really needed to hear this right now. This has just changed their course and changed their path. And the positive karma that will come back to you and me for having created this to help them achieve that will manifest itself somewhere else in our life. Like there is no such thing as coincidence. We are speaking when we're supposed to be speaking about the things that we're supposed to be speaking about. And I truly believe that. And as a result of that, I I don't see things as a problem anymore everything is an opportunity so I just give you know give freely give willingly I I give advice I have these conversations I, you know, I open my soul and share things that I've not even told people before because it feels like the right thing to do and if it feels like the right thing to do then it is the right thing to do and the opportunities that will come as a result of that I firmly believe that they're there but I it's the thing if you can give selflessly You know, and when I say that, I don't mean these Muppets that record themselves giving to charity and homeless people so they can put it on social media. Like, I detest those people because they do it for ego. Mm -hmm. But if I'm talking about, like, if you can, you know, be in the drive-thru at McDonald's and pay for the guy's meal behind you, even though you're never going to get a thank you from him, they don't even know who you are. Like, if you can give to a homeless person and they're asleep on the street and you leave them a bottle of water and some money next to it like so they never know that it was you or you can donate anonymously to charity or you can clear out your wardrobes for all those clothes that you don't wear anymore and you can go and give them to the salvation army or something in a box where nobody knew it was you and you're just giving with the intention of giving something good to somebody not ever wanting anything back for it I firmly believe that the universe finds a way of writing that balance. It's like you've earned kudos points and the universe is going to give them back to you at some stage in your life. So one of the things I've always found is when I'm having a hard time in my business, I give give more to charity, not less. If I'm having a difficult time financially, I give more, not less, because I'm a firm believer of you have to give before you can receive.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's not only um, giving... And having no no rec- recognition for it, which I think is important, but also trying to give things that you lack even, you know, like giving yes. when it's not comfortable yes. is usually something that's a lot harder to do, but it yes. usually comes back even even more.
1: You're so right. I, I, I think it's because of the, like, you get more points for that, <laughs> you know, like, if you've got <laughs> yeah. loads of clothes and you give some t-shirts away, it's like, yeah, you know, it's nice that you gave that stuff away, but you've got loads of clothes, you know, so it wasn't that big yeah. of a sacrifice. Whereas if you've got $10 in your pocket and you give $5 to somebody like that was a big sacrifice, you know, yeah. and you're going to get something big back in return. And and, and I truly believe that. Like, I, I don't think it's a coincidence that a lot of the most successful people on the planet are also some of the biggest donations to charity.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I know we're, we're barely over our time. I just had two more questions, if you don't mind. Uh,
1: Shoot, brother, you ask away for it.
0: Sure. So you, you did mention that a lot of times either mentors or someone will give you advice and you might not take it because, yes. you know, uh, either you have to experience it yourself or whatever it is. If, if you could go back 10 years and give yourself some advice from yourself that hopefully you would listen to potentially, what would you choose as a good thing to give a younger Phil in order to help enable him to, to I don't know, skip some of those heartaches and stuff? Good question. You can certainly take your time.
1: If I had to choose one piece of advice, it would be meditate more because I've been meditating since I was a very young. I've been meditating since I was sort of 11 years old doing transcendental meditation. And I often find that the the times of crisis in my life, I notice it, it correlates with when I've stopped meditating. It's like, I don't have time to meditate cause I'm too busy stressing, but I'm busy stressing because I haven't meditated. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so it would probably be that that said, being completely honest i mean i know i'm taking this question really seriously with time travel and all that kind of stuff <laughs> i'm not sure i would tell myself anything oh you just let it happen i've i really love where i am right now yeah and I, and i'm not sure it's like the butterfly effect isn't it if i'd have changed that would i still be here would i still have my wonderful children and my beautiful wife and all the things that i have today and and i don't know the answer to that question because obviously yeah why why risk it yeah, so I don't think I'd risk it. I think I probably wouldn't. I'd probably just give myself a hug and say, good luck. <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice. I like that. And yeah, I, I love time travel. So I think about that kind of stuff too. And and who knows what kind of a, a fill you'd result in, in yeah. creating with with some sort of a, you know ill thought out advice that, For sure. that might be good at the time. Okay, and then uh, I guess last question would be, I'm going to give you a get out of fail free card. And so is there a... A career or hobby or an undertaking that you would maybe pursue if failure wasn't an option. Is there something that you've always wanted to try but you realize you're not going to be good at it, so uh, you haven't pursued it?
1: What a great question! What a fantastic question! Well, thank you. I really like that question. I'm probably going to steal that. You can go ahead and steal that. Uh, no, that's it, something... a that's a great question. Um, I'd probably choose acting. Like, I would love to be
0: like a movie actor. What kind of movies do you think you'd be in?
1: I want to say action, but it would probably be comedy. (laughs) Um, Like, uh, it'd probably be like the cheesy Seth Rogen comedy style films. Um, Well,
0: again, you can't fail. So it could be something that you don't think you'd do well. But if you you know
1: what, I'd love to, I'd love to do action films. Like, uh, and I'm talking like, uh, I want to do the remake of Taken. um, Taking Liam Neeson's spot, you know? (laughs) yeah <laughs> um like that would be awesome or like any other any anything that i get to star alongside denzel that'd be awesome his films always kick ass
0: yeah what do you think would be the hardest part about doing uh acting or being an action star
1: you know what i think it's actually something i've considered before as well seriously but i think the reason that i've always stopped myself from doing it is so few people reach the top and i've 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 done that before so am i before i got into business i played sport to a very professional level so i played football soccer for you us listeners and i played for a really big team here in the uk and then i didn't get my professional contract at 16 and i got released and i moved over to central europe and i played uh, there for a few years before i got medically retired because i kept fracturing my shin bone um and then i went into coaching and i just didn't find the same love in coaching as i had for playing the game so i ended up leaving and I found that really hard. And, you know, the logical reasons that people say to you is, well, you know, only such a small percentage of people make it. And it's like, yeah, but that doesn't help me because I was convinced I was one of those people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so you, you saying to me there's such a small percentage of people make it, I was like, that doesn't help. Like logic is not helping how I feel about this situation. So the thing that stopped me pursuing like professional acting, if you want to look at it that way, was the same thing it's like so many people go and do that and i guess the other logic was if i'm, if I'm completely honest was and i don't mean this to sound big headed or arrogant at all cuz it's it's not supposed to but like like i'm i'm quite an intelligent guy like if i put my mind to something i can really do it and i realized that i could achieve things in business that other people you know would struggle to achieve so it was going to be easier for me to provide for my family and do well in the world of business than it was Trying to compete with every other person who wanted to be an actor, you know everybody with half a dream, and and, and I, I kind of felt like I tried my dream. My dream was football, and it didn't work, so I had to take something a bit more logical, a bit more, a bit more realistic. I think yeah. so. That's the thing that stopped me doing it was I, you know, there are people who from a very early age, all they want to do is be in movies and be a Hollywood actor or Hollywood actress or whatever. Well, my dream for that was sport and it it didn't happen. So I wasn't prepared to throw myself into another, you know, another pipe dream.
0: Yeah. And let's be honest. I mean, both of those require a good amount of luck, you know, to get there, even with all the right things going for you. So I'm sure you probably felt like, well, if it didn't work in soccer or football, you know, Mm. did I waste all my luck and also do it? Am I going to have any in a new kind of thing like that? So it makes sense. You'd want to go for something a little bit more legitimate or have a more defined path
1: i mean you know what's funny though It, it happened anyway so like i remember saying like i'd love to do movies and you know i'd love to like do some tv tv work and then you know go and do some movies and do some stuff on stage well, I do all of that now. Like I have my own TV series. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I've been in movies and I'm sure we will do more movies in the future. There's already conversations with like some incredible people like the, I'm sure you've heard of the secret movie, the secret movie reaches like 500 million people. Um, mm-hmm. s- several of those coaches are part of my network and are close friends and mentors and people I'm very close with. And we've already had conversations about doing some movies together. I do go on stage. I mean, it's not, acting i'm myself we're talking about business and we're we're having these business discussions and and so i'm doing all of that stuff anyway just as myself rather than playing a character
0: yeah and who knows maybe you're taking this the weirdest path towards being a movie star (laughs) be an action movie star in the future
1: (laughs) yeah exactly it's like you know what i heard that guy talk about business i couldn't help but think he'd be really good diving through (laughs) a plain glass window being shot at you know (laughs) um yeah maybe who knows but that I'm enjoying the journey right now. And I think that's for the first time in my life, I, I don't have a plan. And that feels scary, because that's not how we're taught. But for the very first time in my life, I'm just focusing on remaining in that place, staying true to who I am, and just letting the universe do the planning for me.
0: Well, that sounds awesome. Is there anywhere specifically you'd like to point the listeners to check out um, what you're doing? I know you've got the Billionaires and Boxers podcast. Yes. Where can they find that, I imagine, on any um, podcast on, players? On all, on all good platforms.
1: Um, <laughs> no, it's a, um, yeah, well, it really is on all good platforms, but check us out anywhere. You can check out Billionaires and Boxers Global, uh, which is our podcast. Uh, it's absolutely everywhere. Spotify, iTunes, you name it. Um, the Probably the easiest way to get in touch with us is to either connect with me on LinkedIn, Phil Palucha. Surname is spelled P-E-L-U-C-H-A. In fact, if you Google me, I have a really unusual surname, so you will definitely find me. Or uh, if you're old school, just head straight to billionairesinboxes.com and check out our website. The podcast is on there. Examples of our work are on there. Recommendations, reviews, all this kind of stuff. So go down the rabbit hole and have some fun.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you very much, Phil, for joining. I appreciate you being vulnerable and opening up and, and maybe sharing some stuff that you might not have shared otherwise. Um, but I'm sure the listeners will benefit from it. And uh, and I'll make sure to put some of those links in the show notes. And I hope everything goes well over in the UK and, and all your uh, future uh, business endeavors and, and podcasts and everything like that go, go really well. Thank you so much for
1: having me. And uh, listen, very best of luck with your podcast. I, uh, it's amazing to think that you're still at the very beginning of this journey. You're, you're a natural and you're clearly going to have a lot of success with this. And as somebody who uh, has done over 10,000 hours of podcasting, the, the best advice I can give you is continue as you are and just be authentic because that's ultimately what works. That's what people want to hear is, is you being genuine and authentic and having honest and conversations. I mean, we'd have had this exact conversation had we not have been recording it. And that's what makes a podcast successful.
0: Absolutely. And I definitely appreciate it. And by the way, great job with your podcast. I've listened to a few episodes and it's it's really well put together and, and well thought out.
1: Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. That's kind of you to
0: say. Alrighty, Well, have a good rest of your night and um, and take it easy. I'll let you know when uh, when this is up. Sounds so good. Thank you so much, brother. All righty. Take it easy. Thanks, Dan. Thanks for joining me on the Failure Guy podcast. If you enjoyed it, feel free to tell somebody. And don't forget, always try to fail it till you nail it. Till next time. Well,